Hello and welcome to the Writing Hockey Podcast. My name is Seth Robon. This is a project of the Professional Hockey Writers Association where we try to go into the nuts and bolts of being a hockey writer with members of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, or for those of you who are crazy about acronyms, the PHWA. Again, my name is Seth Robot. I cover the Pittsburgh Penguins for The Athletic, and I've done so for about 10 years, uh, covering the team for a couple different outlets here in town. Uh, this is a job I have a passion for, and I enjoy discussing the details of our business with colleagues on this podcast. Today, we talk that business with Mark Spector of Sportsnet. In addition to being a columnist for Sportsnet, Mark is president of the PHWA. Myself and Mark were each at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh last week uh, for the Oilers-Penguins game, and we recorded this podcast prior to the Penguins' morning skate. So if you hear a Zamboni in the background and it comes close to drowning us out, that was my bright idea. My apologies. When we weren't drowned out by the Zamboni, we discussed quite a few things uh, as they pretend to the PHWA, including uh, awards voting and trying to maintain the access uh, we have to players. Uh, We also talked about what it's been like to cover the Edmonton Oilers over the past 10 years. Mark's based out of Edmonton. And um, just how much Connor McDavid has changed just about everything in terms of how to cover that franchise. Uh, His arrival really uh, did change things around for a team that uh, didn't make the playoffs for 10 years. So um, I hope you enjoy. So you have your own golf tournament. Is that true? Yes, that is true, as a matter of fact. It's not exactly mine, but uh, I became involved in a charity in Edmonton where we... Um, basically, it's we've been 25 years in business in Edmonton. It's called Sport Central, and we take care of kids who can't afford sporting equipment or bicycles. So we we help about 8,500, 9,000 kids a year uh, to get into the game and be able to play sports, skates, uh, full equipment, soccer cleats, baseball stuff, and certainly bicycles. And uh, our golf tournament every summer raises money to that end. How'd you get involved in that, or what prompted you to get involved in that? Uh, you know, there was a couple of old-time Edmonton sports writer guys that I grew up reading and watching on TV who had been involved. And, uh, you know, I feel like once you get into a certain point in the media, you should use your sort of brand or whatever we want to call this to uh, help, right, to do something to help the community. So. Uh, they were in need of a, sort of a kind of a media front guy, and um, you know it works, right? Yeah. We're talking about kids that that are dying to play hockey. Lots of new Canadians that come here, people that are you know, and their parents they're working two jobs, and then you know how it works when yeah. you're a, an immigrant new to a country. And hockey's not cheap. And hockey's not cheap. And if you want to integrate your children in Canada. They sure would like to be able to go out to the community rink, the outdoor rink, and skate. And certainly in the summer, you'd like them to have a bicycle. So uh, that's why we're doing it. Uh, you know, Jack Murphy had a stadium named after him, but the golf tournament's pretty good. Not bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> um, let me ask you, this is your first uh, season as the president of the PHWA? Uh, yes. Um, just all... Well, four or five months into the, to your reign, how is it, it going? Yeah, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I was lucky to have been. Uh, I served as uh, vice president for a while, uh, as you know. So we, you know, so I, I knew what I was getting into. Put it yep. that way. Uh, our goals are pretty clear. We are here to sort of protect and improve media's ability to get our work done and get stories and have access. I think in the sports media world, access to players and access to for our readers uh, is ever shrinking. And really, we've got, you know, there's a few different things we have our eye on in the hockey world, but most importantly, it's the ability for our 
reporters and our people to get to the room and to, to get the players that need to be speak, spoken to so yeah. we can provide proper news coverage for all the readers. And it's not as easy as it sounds sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've been doing this for a while, and I've heard stories the old days, not to date you here or anything yeah. like that, but um, how much has has access been restricted in the past 20, 30 years? Oh, my gosh. So much, yeah. Seth, so much. Like, when I broke into the league, you'd go into the dressing room before the game and sit down and have a coffee with guys. Yeah. Or not the game, uh, the practice. Like, I'd go to a practice in the morning. Let's say it's a 11 o'clock practice. I'd show up at 9.30, and I'd go grab a coffee from the coffee pot inside the room and sit and chat with guys yeah. while they tape sticks. And nobody minded. Everyone was okay. Uh, but back then, there was only, you know, two or three reporters. There was no internet. There wasn't six cameras. Uh, there wasn't five websites. So there I wasn't know team reporters either. That's, there, another that's aspect right. Of now the team. I think today's the Pittsburgh Penguins team media group today is probably bigger than the, or as big as the whole group that used to cover the Penguins 25 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, so that's how it, you know. It's just slowly shrunk down. Now we have dressing rooms like the new one here in Pittsburgh, the one in Edmonton where they're a labyrinth of places for players to hide. You know, we yeah. walk into dressing rooms now, there's no players in them after the game quite often, right? And then the pre-R staff brings them out one at a time. In the old days, there was nowhere for them to go. They was Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux would sit in his stall and have a cold beer after a game. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked to him while well, he had that cold beer. Like those days are so gone now. And it wasn't so much <laughs> you were trying to like be his buddy or a friend or whatever. No, you were just all. trying to have a fairly informal relationship with someone you're supposed to cover in a professional manner. Well, and they, right, and, and with the relationship comes a little bit of trust, and with trust comes more uh, uh, exposure, like, you know, we got to know Wayne Gretzky, right, very well, and, and at, when the interview ended, we put our notepads down, and we'd just talk hockey, and, you know, you learn when you talk hockey with a guy like Jagger or Lemieux or, or Crosby, everyone gets smarter. You know, and I have access to things around the league that, that Sid Crosby might say, hey, what's going on in Calgary? Yeah. You know, hey, what's, what'd you hear about that thing in L.A.? It's just a hockey conversation between two guys that today, as you know, there's a PR person hanging over every interview. When it ends, the player leaves. Yeah. Uh, the interaction, especially the casual interaction, has really been depleted. I'll say this for Sidney Crosby specifically. You mentioned him. Um, you know, a lot of players will, would hide behind that barrier with a PR person or just a, a, a different room he could duck into physically. Right. Sid will stick around and, and, and chat. BS with you a little yeah. bit and uh, yep. talk with you about not just hockey but, but life or, or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know how Connor McDavid is up in Edmonton. Kind of has a similar, you know, aura. I guess if that's the sure. right way of doing. But Sidney Crosby, I, whether he just knows that's a good way to get media on his side or what have you, he, he'll sit there and talk to you as a human. Yeah, as a human, because he's a regular guy, and he wants to talk hockey, and we get to know Sid. Like, Sid and I now, after all these years, and I only come here once in a while, and he comes to Edmonton once a year. But, you know, when I walk in, he looks up and goes, oh, yeah, there's that guy from Edmonton. I know that guy, and we do. Yesterday, I had a chance to sit with him, and, and afterwards, just kind of kibitz a little bit. Yeah. And uh, McDavid's getting there. You yeah. know, McDavid is a young guy, and he's got to get past the point as a young player that... You know, thinking that every single thing he says might get him in trouble. Like now, he's at the point where the cameras go away, and he talks with the writers, and he lets his guard down a little. 
and it's better copy. It's it's people get to know them out there. It's mm -hmm. it's just good for everyone involved. Um, go back to the PHWA. By the way, if you're wondering, we're we're sitting here. The, the low seating here at PPG Paints Arena watching Matt Hunwick, who's injured right now, go through a workout here. So it's, you hear some pucks yes. and sticks in the background. That's what it is. So Matt Hunwick is a third party to our <laughs> podcast here. Uh, going back to the PHWA, uh, I know you're just you know, only a few months into this, but but if there's one thing you would like to change or, or one direction you'd like to take it in, is there anything, one thing you identify and say, I'd like to do this differently? Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, I guess... I mean, there's a couple small things. How about numbered practice jerseys? <laughs> we had a discussion about this that's yesterday. A, that's a crusade of mine. <laughs> I think if the NFL can have numbered practice jerseys for 70 players, the NHL can for 20. Um, I really I, I really think that, I mean, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but to me, our access is, is so threatened now. The yep. new world of PR person who's coming out of college now, they're being taught to be, frankly, in a lot of days to be more obstructionist than to help the two sides, player and media, come together. Uh, scrum journalism is what we get now, right? Yeah. After a game, they bring out players one at a time. There's 20 media members there. Everybody gets the same stuff. And you might only have, like, four players in the room, too. Right. So you can't just run off and grab the one guy who's no. off by himself for one or two questions. Right. And there was a time when the room, again, the room would have 15 guys in it. And you'd interview your guy, and I'd interview mine. And maybe your stuff was better than mine, but at yeah. least mine was different than yours. They weren't the same. Uh, so to me, it's it's... It's the ability for, you know, especially in this day of, I mean, you work for a, um, you know, an individual site that, that wants to try to do different things, yep. right? You know, in these days of, uh, of DK and the athletic and people want access, but they want access to do special things that make, that allow the reader to want to keep reading, mm -hmm. you know? And to me, that's important. Like, Seth, you got to be able to go to that room and sit down one-on-one -on -one with the guy. I got 30 years in this thing. My questions, and I'm not going to blow my horn, but I guess I am. My questions are better than the guy who's been doing this for two years. Yeah. So if every time I ask my questions, the two-year guy's in the same scrum, guess what? Him and I are at the same advantage, and that's... You know, I didn't hang around this game 30 years yeah. to feed the, the rookies every single day. Some days, sure. Not every day. One thing that annoys me about scrums, TV people a lot of times, <laughs> and I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here, but they, often, they ask so many of the just dullest questions just for that easy sound bite. And more often than not, you, you as a print reporter, web reporter, whatever, you're asking probably more often than not the in-depth questions, and you're doing the work for, say, a cameraman getting that sound bite. And, Physically, too, cameras just take up so much space in a scrum. Well, and players uh, act and, and and they're different in front of a camera. Yeah. I think we all are. Oh, with the light and uh, yeah, the light and microphone. the camera and the that's just basic human interaction. I think absolutely. So when I can sit next, you know, yesterday's scrum was a great example. Everybody scrum sit. I happened to be in the, I sat right next to him in the someone's locker. I think it was Jake Gensel's locker. He wasn't there. And then everybody left, and then I got three or four questions with Sid, just him and I talking, like yeah. two guys. And the, those were the quotes I used in my story because yeah. they were better because he he lets his guard down. It's just him and a guy that he, you know, I'm not saying he trusts me implicitly, but we've known each other long enough yeah. that he knows we can chat. And, and that has to get protected. We can't, the newspaper guy, the athletic guy, the... They can't have the same sound bite that the guy from CBS who comes here once a week is looking for. Yeah. 
Um, let me ask you too, uh, PHWA matter here, uh, voting. Um, a lot of debate about this, particularly yes. in June. Um, should we make our ball- ballots public? I, I, I say no, uh, okay. simply because... Why do you say no? We live in an age now where people can be harassed so easily. Where if I don't vote for Eric Carlson, number one defenseman, someone in Ottawa can look up my home address and post it online. <laughs> yeah. And hey, I understand the idea of you know being you know mature enough or just uh, brave enough to post your ballot and yeah. all that stuff. But yeah. to me, I think there's situations where some of those you just have enough. It just takes one person to be crazy enough to make it dangerous. Well, that's fair. Uh, there's a lot of ways to go here, and it really starts with the professional baseball writers, the BBWAA, who have far less voters for their awards. Uh, they sort of section things up. I think, I wish I knew the number, but for each, you know, for the National League Pitcher of the Year, I think there's only seven or eight guys that vote on that, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I know it's a very small number. Um, so the deal that they do is they, they record, and they are very transparent, they, on their website, post everybody's vote you know, one through eight. Same with their Hall of Fame voting. Mm-hmm. That's what baseball does, and that's what they've chosen to do. Um, in hockey, we do it differently. You know, we have about 175 voters for our awards. You know, we vote, I believe, on six awards, right? Uh, let's see if we can get them here. Yeah. We go Hart, we go Calder, um, we go Norris, we go... Um, Selkie. Selkie, thank you. We go Lady Bing is five, and my sixth one that I always forget is... Masterton? We do Masterton as well, but that's not in the six. Okay. Anyhow, sorry you caught me on thinking fast. But my point would be this. We have 175 voters on every award. So in any group of 175 voters, you're sort of... You're just going to have someone that makes a mistake. You're yeah. going to have someone that puts someone on the wrong wing. We had an incident a few years ago where, despite the PHWA informing their voters more than once that Ovechkin was a right winger that year, yeah. uh, a lot of people, a you know, handful of people, voted for him on left wing and made us look dumb. And we did look dumb, and we were dumb. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no question. Would I like to expose those people who were too lazy to get that vote right? Part of me says, yeah, I think I would like to expose them. Uh, many of them did not vote the next year, just so you know. But um, it's also people's right in 2017 to have a you know a, a democratic vote uh, that is not exposed to everybody's introspection. And you're right, the way the internet is right now, yeah. it's enough work for us to ask you, Seth, to do your homework, study it up, get the vote in on time, vote accurately, do all the work. And I've done it for years. It's a lot of work to do a proper ballot. Uh, it's quite another for me to say, do that proper ballot, and then go on Twitter and get murdered by a bunch of guys out there for no good reason. Yeah. How much uh, does it play into um, also a relationship you might have with a player? I mean, I know these guys say, oh, I just want to win for the team, but a lot of these guys want to win individual awards too. And if your vote votes public and let's say you don't vote for Connor McDavid, does that jeopardize your relationship with McDavid, his people, or even the Oilers? It's interesting. There's two sides to this. Some people say we shouldn't even be voting at all, mm-hmm. right? Because and I, and I get the argument. You know, the vote that the PHWA does on you know, 
really as a service to the National Hockey League because yeah. we don't get anything out of this. Um, it makes a difference between Sid Crosby getting the heart bonus or Connor McDavid getting the heart bonus, right? Yeah. So, you know, we definitely we, we directly affect the income of an NHL player. Yeah. So I can see how people look at that and go, gee, that's not right. But again, I think we couch that by having enough voters, 175 voters, that no one person's vote is going to sway that thing, right? Uh, I personally am strong enough in my convictions that if I didn't, you know, I'm fine to vote against someone that I cover all the time. Absolutely fine. If Connor McDavid wants to come to me and find out why I didn't vote for him for hard, he can. Yeah. He never would, yeah. nor would Sid. You know, yeah. if they want to, I'm here. They know where to find me. So that doesn't bother me. If you only had five or six guys vote for each award, I think that might be a little bit of a bigger uh, stigma. Uh, moving on to the actual covering hockey here. Um, covered yours for however many years. How much did Connor McDavid's addition or presence change the way things were covered there? Oh, everything. Uh, I mean, this was a terrible team and a bad organization for a long time. It missed the playoffs for an NHL record 10 years in a row. Yeah. Uh, the glory years are so far in the rearview mirror, it's not even funny. So they had a couple first overalls, right? Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Neil Yakupov. Uh, none of those guys turned your franchise around without proper management that added proper goaltending and a proper defensive team and a coach yeah. that had the right structure. And the orders failed on every account. So when Connor McDavid came along, it was also in concert with the new general manager, Peter Chiarelli, who knows what he's doing. Yeah. A new head coach, Todd McClellan, who very much knows what he's doing. And, you know, the next best player in the National Hockey League. If, he, if McDavid ever passes Sid, some say he has, I'm not sure. So it just took a team that was fumbling around. And, you know, they were they were Cleveland Brown status for a while there. Uh, to a team that commands respect and surrounded itself with respectful people. McDavid's presence helps to bring the proper people to have a, a decent and, and competent organization. Um, how much was it just from, the, say, the chaotic standpoint? I mean, it wasn't just they weren't winning. I mean, they had however many GMs over that time, however many coaches. Just What was it like covering an organization that was in chaos? I asked uh, Bill Hoppy from Buffalo about covering the Sabres, right. and they kind of had the same situation with different coaches, different everything like that. Still do. Uh, yeah. And he said that was, he, he's kind of hoping at some point to get back to just covering hockey. You've had that luxury right. here for the last year or so. I have. What was that like just covering organizational dis, uh, discourse, I guess? Right. You, you know, you want to give each new coach a chance, right? As a reporter, probably as a fan base, every time they'd hire a new coach, you want to say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rag on this guy right away. I'm not going to point out his deficiencies immediately. I'm not going to call this a bad hire on day one. You know, you want to be fair, right? Yeah. And you want to give a guy an opportunity. But as one coach turned into the next, and you know, they'd have a decent coach, and then they'd fire him, and then they'd hire a guy that wasn't very good, and then they'd fire him, and then they'd hire another guy, and all the while they'd draft poorly, and all the while they would bring in free agents that couldn't play. And it became pretty clear that the people making the decisions, it wasn't the coaches. 
coach's fault. Yeah. It's the people, and same with Buffalo. It's the decision makers who are, who are failing and, and failing the franchise, and that's what happened in Edmonton. And that's why they brought in a guy named Bob Nicholson from Hockey Canada, and he observed, and then he cleaned house and brought in Chiarelli, they brought in McClellan, Chiarelli brought in some scouts to know what they're doing, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, right, you got a good hockey team. Um, ask have you covered the Oilers? I mean, you were with the Edmonton Journal for however Yeah, I was 15 years with the Edmonton Journal. I started covering the Oilers really in about 1990, let's yeah. say. So a long time ago. Uh, I covered off and on. I've sort of done the league. I've covered the beat here in Edmonton. Don't do that anymore. But I'm around the team, and sure, I'm here. I'm at every home game. What is it like covering hockey in a Western city, in Western Canada city? I mean, is it as nuts and demanding as it seems it is it's, looking from afar? Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's a pretty rabid hockey town, yeah. so it's not that far off of Pittsburgh. Uh, but, I mean, the Oilers are the Steelers, right? Yeah. You know, the Oilers are the Eagles. Uh, the Oilers are the Yankees. And so are the Flames, and so are the Canucks. And so in every Canadian city, we're a one-sport country, Seth. We, we have some baseball, but it comes second to hockey. We have a Canadian Football League. It's way down the list. We play college sports. Nobody goes to it, right? We're all about the National Hockey League. Uh, it's like if the NFL had no competitors down here, you know. Yeah. That's what we are in Canada. Uh, let me ask you, working out at Edmonton, what's the travel like out there? I mean, I, I sit here, I'm like, oh, man, i got to drive three hours to Columbus. Uh, yeah, you no, know, like, there's no three-hour trip for you guys. I mean, there's it's, one. It's Calgary. Yeah, yeah. There's one driving trip in the National Hockey League yeah. for us. I'll drive to Calgary, work a game, and I'll drive home the next morning. Uh, the rest are flights. Yeah. You know, so, and the flights that aren't direct usually. You know, we go to yeah. Toronto and then Pittsburgh. We go to Denver and then somewhere. We go to Chicago and then somewhere, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, Seattle and down to L.A. or whatever. So it's different than Eastern Seaboard. The difference for players, I mean, forget the media, but the difference for players is if you go on a five-game road trip out of Edmonton, you leave on Monday and you come home ten days later. If you go out of, if you have a five-game road trip out of Pittsburgh or Philly, yeah. chances are you come home for a couple nights and sleep in your own bed, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of nights. They don't have that in the West. I've, I've only been to Edmonton once in my life, and I was like, wow, this is this isn't easy to get to. I mean, I, mean, uh, I had to connect no. to Minnesota, then yeah. they go up there, and yeah. it's uh, a connection. Yeah, and. Uh, stood out to me was just how far north you guys are. Yeah. I mean, I was there like in November one year and it got dark at like 3.30. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yeah, but um, let me ask you, being so far remote, I guess, yeah. even in the West, Western Conference, is that logistically, I mean, I talked to uh, Adam Bingen in Nashville, they're the most easternmost city in the Western Conference, and right. he has to do a lot of travel from that standpoint, physically, like miles or whatever. Is that... Yeah. It's another complication, I guess. For sure, trips are more expensive, for one. Costs more money for your company. Uh, we are the northernmost uh, major city in North America, right? There's a million people in Edmonton yeah. in area, at Metro Edmonton, and we're further north than any other city of that size. So, in the summertime, uh, you know, I hit a T-ball at quarter to 11 last summer at one point and <laughs> could see it land. Wow. Uh, in the winter, you know, there's about three weeks where you're going to work in the dark and you're coming home in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just that's what we are, man. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm born and raised up there. Uh, it's a great place to raise a family. It's a safe city, relatively speaking. You better enjoy winter and find a way to enjoy winter. We skate outside in the winter. I learned to play hockey on outdoor rinks. 
yeah. you know, I cross country ski outside in my neighborhood, and it's okay. Like I'm fine with that. A lot of people aren't. Um, a couple <laughs> more, and I'll let you go here. Uh, you work for Sportsnet. How long have you been with Sportsnet? This will be my tenth year with Sportsnet. Um, What's that been like? And um, let me ask you also, too, they're a rights holder. Um, there's a business range between Sportsnet and the NHL. Yeah. Does that ever create complications or uh, issues for how you do your job from an editorial standpoint? It, it, only on the TV product sometimes. Uh, and here's what probably a lot of, of listeners wouldn't know. Um, let's say the Edmonton Oilers, since we're talking about them. They basically buy the slot of time that their game is on television from Sportsnet and then control that block. Yeah. So I'm on their panels in the intermission and during the lean years when they were bad. In fact, just the other day I took a pretty healthy run at Pat Maroon as well who'd taken a bad penalty. Um, it was very difficult to walk the line of objectivity and tell the fan at home what they're watching. The fan at home knows the team's not very good. Yeah. The fan at home knows that Maroon takes a penalty that he shouldn't take. Uh, so I've been able, I walked the line to, to say that and, and make sure that you know you retain a, a sense of objectivity, but you can't go on the Oilers broadcast and carve up the Oilers every single day yeah. because it's it's just not something that they want to happen. So I'll give the Oilers credit. You know I've I've been pretty tough on these guys when they were bad, and I never got any blowback. Yeah, uh, and I can find a way to turn a. You know, to make my point, and then you know, there's always something that you can find on the ice that someone's yeah. having a good game, man. Yeah. Something's going right. <laughs> Mark Letestu. Sure, Mark Letestu. You know, so, and now it's different because the expectations are higher. So what we used to consider an acceptable effort, now they're a good team, and it's not acceptable anymore. The bar has been raised, and I think that the GM and the coach and the players, they all see it the same as we do. So a little bit of constructive criticism is, I think it's just fine. You've served as a beat writer and a columnist. Um, yes. I think for most people, it, you know, the difference might be obvious, but not to everyone, everyone, all the time. What's the difference between being a beat writer and a columnist? Well, and when I broke in, the columnist was the guy who who wrote opinion, and the beat guy did not. That's all blurred now. Yeah. I think everyone's writing a lot of opinion, frankly. Does uh, it get blurred between analysis and opinion? That's a good question, isn't it? Right? Yeah. I think you're right. I guess the beat guy might call it analysis, but... To my eye, oftentimes analysis is opinion. Yeah, but that's fair. So, you know, I think what you do is you hone your skill as a beat guy. As a younger guy, you work the beat. You learn the game inside out. You learn how teams work, what's acceptable within a team, what's not. Those are the things you learn while you're on the road with guys, while you're following a team day after day. And then if you step away and become a columnist, you've got that cache of information. And yeah. I can see something that happens on the ice and say, no, it's not supposed to go that way, right? I can see a player who, who does something selfish, and I know what the feeling in the room is about that. Yeah. So that allows me some perspective from a columnist's point of view. Uh, last two, and I always finish the podcast with these two questions. Okay. Uh, what do you hate or what do you dislike about this business or this job the most? What do I dislike? Or what would you maybe want to change most about this job? Uh, well, I sound like a broken record. I think you you talked about it when you said those web teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's just a... I'm fine with lots of different people covering hockey. I think that's okay. Have a web team. Yeah. You know, let in anyone you want. That's okay. But as we've allowed more, um, more journalists to cover this sport... Uh, and every sport, frankly, we've also watched access get pulled back and back and back. Look at the NFL. 
Yeah. The NFL is crazy. NCAA, I talked to Dave Molinari the other day. He said, yeah, I'm going up to Penn State. I get to watch him practice for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and I'll, I'll say the few times I have call, covered college sports, they'll just pull out like four or five guys from a team of like 80 people. Right. Right? And that's it. Right. And a coach. So there's more journalists and less players we get to talk to, which means everyone's getting the same stuff, which means we're all writing our version of the same thing on some days. Yeah. And I don't think the reader is served or the viewer. I don't think anyone is served by that. I, I would like to see us get back to a more open um, press situation, but I doubt it's going to go that direction. And lastly, uh, what do you love? What do you enjoy about this job the most? It's still a, It's still not a real job, right? I mean, here we are. My version of work is waking up in Pittsburgh, going to a game between McDavid and Crosby tonight yep. that people are paying huge dollars to see. You know, this would be the early marquee game in this city for sure. And in all of the NHL tonight, this is probably the sort of the one big fun game to watch. And you and I not only get in for free, we get to come to the practice, we talk to the participants, we, you know, eat a nice press meal, get paid to be here, like beat that with a stick, man. I've never had a real job in my life. I'm a 30-year sports writer. You know, guys, guys pay dearly to come to these games and uh, they let us in for free like how are you going to complain about that <laughs> thank you to Mark as I mentioned during the interview I went to Edmonton for the one and only time in my life two years ago and I, I did so mainly because I wanted to see the Penguins final game at Northlands Coliseum I, I kind of got a thing about seeing old arenas before they close uh, anyway I got to the building and I went to like the old dingy media workroom and I met Mark there for the first time we chatted a bit and he showed me where to get the coffee the good coffee outside the Oilers dressing room uh, it seems like kind of a simple gesture but for whatever reason it always kind of stuck with me anyway I wanted to get Mark on here uh, to discuss matters as they pertain to the PHWA and I'm glad we did uh, he's been a pretty proactive leader for our group uh, ever since he took over uh, as the PHWA president uh, this past summer and uh, I wanted to pick his brain on a few matters Again, thank you to Mark for his time. Uh, his work can be found on Sportsnet's various platforms. And on Twitter, he's available at Sportsnet Spec. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-N-E-T-S-P-E-C. And you also can find information about the Mark Spector Golf Classic at MarkSpectorGolfClassic.com. If you have any questions for me, feel free to tweet them to me at Seth Robot, S-E-T-H-R-O-R-A-B-A-U-G-H. And the PHWA can be found on Twitter at the PHWA, and we're on Facebook as well. Thank you for listening.